talking about the disciplines of a spirit-formed life. And um, I guess I could name them all, but I don't know. I won't name them all. I'll name them all at the end. No, maybe I'll. Well, this one's kind of a little bit long tonight, so I'll name them all the next time. But the one we're going to talk about tonight is of living a life of submission, submission to the Lord. And in that, then it involves others. And I remember, I can tell you just, um, and I know a lot of people, that word submission uh, is just some people, and myself included at times, till I have an understanding of how God looks at it and what it means to him. You know, some people try to lay down laws to you. That's not submission. We're going to talk about that. But um, I can remember someone gave me a book called, it's by John Bevere, it's called Undercover. And it taught me about being under the covering of God and in submission to him and his order and way of doing things. Because sometimes, whether it be on our jobs, in church, in the family, they think, well, I can just do, I'll just do what I want, however I want it. But God has an order in, in our government, in, in the military, in every area of our lives, God has an ordained order. And it goes better when we follow that order. And sometimes we don't just out of ignorance. Some things I've done, I remember when I started reading that book, and there had been some problems in our church. It was before Alan and I pastored. And I'm not saying we haven't had any since we have, but this, these happened to be before we pastored when our, Alan was associate pastor. Our other pastor was here. And by the time I had this book, um, I can't remember if he had already left to start a church in New Mexico or not. But, man, when I started reading, I thought, oh, no, Lord, did we do it wrong? You know, but God's just got a way of handling things, of doing things, and of being in right order with him. Remember, um, you know, Aaron and Moses and Miriam. Remember how Aaron and Miriam said, well, we hear God, too, you know, and they came to Moses. But God had God ordained in, in that particular uh, area. He had Moses is the leader, and Aaron and uh, Miriam came alongside him, but they weren't in the same place he was in. And, you know, you remember what happened. They thought, well, we hear God. We, you know, we're important to God. You know, and they begin to step out of that place of submission. They begin to step out of that covering that God had provided, and it didn't go well. You know, she got leprosy. So I'm just saying, God healed her, but I'm just saying, and I'm not saying you're going to get struck with leprosy, but I'm going to tell you, the enemy gets in when we get out from doing it God's way, when we think we know better. And, you know, we can all think of times, I certainly can, of times in work situations and things when I thought, you know, <laughs> and, I, you know, I wasn't really seeking what God was saying. Things weren't fair. It wasn't right. But God's got an order. And he's got a way of doing it. So I just want to talk. I just want to talk about a life of submission. And you know who? Who's our example? Jesus, and the life that he lived. And so we're going to talk about that tonight. Matthew 16 verse 24 says, "If anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me." And I want to read that in the Passion Translation, Matthew 16:24. It says, Then Jesus said to his disciples, If you truly want to follow me, you should at once completely reject and disown your life. And boy, does that not go against the flesh. Because the flesh says, What about me? You know, you see Joyce Meyer. What about me? What about me? You know? And that's the trick of the enemy. The minute he gets our eyes on ourselves, and what about me? He gets us taken offense. He gets us into that. And then he gets a road in. And so... 
Jesus said, though, if you want to follow me, and remember, we're following him. We're not following our own ways. We're not following what someone else thinks. We're following what he says. If you want to follow me, you should at once completely reject and disown your own life. And you must be willing to share my cross and experience it as your own as you continually surrender to my ways. You know, our surrender to the Lord is daily, uh, moment by moment surrender to him and what he has for us and you know he doesn't ever condemn us you know he helps us up he helps us to know what he wants and i always say if you want to know the truth if you want to know uh truth from god he'll see to it that you get it he'll see to it you know we can play games and we can we you know there's times i always say this we know when we're playing games we know when you know, like like the scripture said, you know, it says deny himself. We know when we're not denying ourselves. We know when we're when we're uh, really just kind of still holding on ourselves, but trying to say, you know, and that's just that's. But God wants to help us to come to that place of truth in Him, so that you know what did David say? Make me to know truth in my innermost being. Why? Because. It's the truth you know, the truth from God that sets us free. It keeps us free. And so it's so important. And so discipleship, we're disciples. They weren't just disciples. We're disciples because we follow him. And discipleship is costly. But it costs even more if you're not a disciple. That's the truth. I've walked this. You can be saved and not a disciple. You can be saved and not follow him. You can go your own way. You can do what you want. You can say, I know what the Bible says, but, I mean, that's just the truth. But to be a disciple, it's costly. It costs your flesh. <laughs> it's what it costs. But, hey, Paul said, I die daily. we got to die daily to it. If we want to live, if we want to live in his fullness. We're talking about living a life of submission um, as disciples of Jesus, we've been called to the one who, being in the form of God, did not consider it something to be held onto to be equal with God. But he took the form of a servant, humbled himself, and became obedient to the point of death, even to the death of the cross. And that's Philippians chapter 2, verse 8. I'm going to read more of that later. And we're talking about biblical surrender. We're not talking about domination. We're going to get into that. Because the pathway of biblical surrender, it's not only to yield to Christ as Lord, but also to follow him as the servant who came not to be ministered unto, but to minister and to give his life a ransom for many. That's who we follow. He didn't come to be served. He came to serve. He's a servant leader. He's our example in serving. And as a disciple, living a life of submission does not mean that we're called to a reduced existence. I can tell you, when I first knew about submission in marriage, I thought, what? It took me a while to get that one. It took me a while to, to understand what godly submission is and what it means. And, you know, it really starts in submission to God. That's where it starts. It starts in submission to him because he's the one that teaches you and then helps you to 
understand his order, to see the blessing in it, and then to walk in those things. And in marriage, let me say, I'm not talking about being abused or any of those things. It's not, I'm, I'm not talking about just submitting to someone abusive. I'm not talking about that in marriage. But some people, you know, whether there's abuse or not, me, honestly, I, I wouldn't be an abuse, but I didn't want to submit either. You know, so, I mean, I didn't think of it like that. I didn't realize it. But when you're used to living your life a certain way, um, maybe the home you're raised in or just the way you're used to doing things, you don't recognize that you're not being what God's called you to be, but God helps you to learn those things. And so being living a life of submission is not called, it's not, you're not called to a reduced existence, but we're called to a liberating refusal of a carnal insistence of our own rights. You know, love, what does the Bible say about love? 1 Corinthians chapter 13, that it doesn't insist on its own rights or its own way. The best thing I have found to help me with that is to read the love chapter and to get it in me because then that's what will come up out of me instead of my own rights and my own way. I'm reminded of that the love of God is in me and that's what will come out. If I will meditate on who God says I am, because he says the love of God's been shed abroad in our hearts. So we're not trying to get it. He's already got, we're already got it in us. His love's already in us and it will come out. So we don't have to insist on our own rights. God's called us to yield to him. He wants us to have a genuine spirit of loving, trusting submission to Jesus. First and foremost. Some people... um, are not readily willing to acknowledge their need of this discipline. They think, I've got this, you know, I'm not ready for that. I, I have a, a relative that I can remember that person told me that time. <laughs> they were not ready for a submitted life to God. You know, they, they weren't ready for that. They still wanted to hold on to some things. And we all struggle in that. Nobody does this perfectly. God helps us. Nobody does. But it is a... It is part of our spirit form life. Remember who's forming us. Are we forming us or is he forming us? And it's a spirit formed life. If you want that, I, I want that. I don't do it perfectly, but I want, I want what he wants. You know, um, they think uh, a life of submission sounds like a legalistic requirement in a monastery or something, you know. You know, oh, that's going to be awful and boring or hard or just can't do anything that that's not there's so much freedom in god living in a submitted admitted life there's so much freedom in him many think i can just do just about whatever i want because of my freedom in christ but uh truly in terms of spiritual reality in our of who we are we are made free we do have liberty but liberty in christ is not a program of perpetuating self-rule in the soul Because we have freedom in Christ. He's still our Lord. He's still the one we submit to. Our freedom is meant to free us from practicing sin. Our freedom is meant to free us from smallness of soul, our emotional realm. And our freedom is meant to free us from being a lone ranger kind of independence that puts us in control of everything. That's what our freedom in Christ sets us free from. The spirit of submission lived out 
in biblical terms, proposes that God could use other people to teach us something. That he could surround us with supporting insights to help us grow. Do you know God wants to use others to help you? That's part of the life of submission. He puts people around us. That's why it's important to be a part of the body. Because he brings people around us to help us. The spirit of submission brings us to a voluntary willingness. It has to be voluntary. It's not forced. It's voluntary willingness to be accountable to others. Even if that means we're exposing ourselves to the possibility that at times these others will correct us in the spirit of love. You have to make yourself accountable. You can't. No one can demand it of you. But, you know, it's good to say, you know, I'm... I'm struggling in this, or I'm having, you know, I just want to make myself accountable to you. And in the body, coming and asking for prayer, we're making ourselves accountable to each other. That's a life, a spirit of submission. You know, these life-building assets can only be realized if we're willing to learn the spirit of submission. Walking in that freedom, walking in what God has for us, comes if we're willing to voluntarily do it. In our lives. Because submission is scary to some people. People don't want to be, quote, out of control. But you know, God called us to give up the control of our life to him. Lisa Bevere wrote a book called Out of Control and Loving It. You know, I've read it. (laughs) Had to reread it. No. But you know, just some things out of fear, whatever you try to hold on to. You try to keep control and it's how you've done life and you don't recognize it. But God helps us to recognize those areas that are ultimately binding us and holding us in bondage. He helps us to see those things. Submission is often thought to imply a situation in which one person might be exploited or manipulated or dominated by another. But I want us to look at the true definition by first reading in Matthew chapter 8 and look at what submission really is and this is Matthew chapter 8 verses 5 through 10 and then verse 13 it says when Jesus entered the village of Capernaum a captain in the Roman army approached him asking for a miracle and Lord he said I have a son who's lying in my home paralyzed and suffering terribly Jesus responded I will go with you and heal him But the Roman officer interjected, Lord, who am I to have you come into my house? I understand your authority, for I too am a man who walks under authority and have authority over soldiers who serve under me. I can tell one to go and he'll go and another to come and he'll come. I order my servants and they'll do whatever I ask. So I know that all you need to do is to stand here and command healing over my son and he will be instantly healed. Jesus was astonished when he heard this, and he said to those who were following him, He has greater faith than anyone I've encountered in Israel. And then verse um, 11 says, Then Jesus told the Roman officer, he said, Go home, all that you have believed for will be done for you. And his son was healed at that very moment. So here is the starting point for understanding The true idea and the true spirit of submission. Because the heart of the concept is there in the Saturian's response to Jesus. 
and the actual way in which the word was originally derived in its present setting. This is how submission, the spirit of submission is. Because the Saturian, he was a military man. He tells us that. He was a leader of men. And he says, in essence, to Jesus, you know, I, I tell my soldiers to go. They do this. I tell them what to do. They do that. And he said, I'm a man under authority. And I administer that authority according to a specific order of alignment. And that's, you know, what the centurion's telling him. And he understands that his submission, his alignment with the authority that's placed over him, is the source of the power that is available to him. So the power that the centurion had was because he was in submission to the authority over him, as the same with Jesus. The Saturian's power and authority aren't self-derived, and neither are ours. But rather, they are delegated through an appointed order, is how they come. And in this case, it was military, a governmental order. The Saturian's acceptance of his role as a submitted man has given rise to the power and authority that he exercises. You have to be a person under authority before you exercise. You have to be a person that submits before you exercise it. The meaning of the word to submit in the Greek language here is unquestionably related to military structures. It was used to refer to an arrangement of troops, the word for to submit. And troops that were under proper order, each Private, corporal, sergeant, lieutenant, and captain related correctly right up the line through the majors, the colonels, the generals, to a commander-in-chief. There's an order to that in the military. And in that military regiment, the structure is not designed to reduce the significance of anyone or to inflate the importance of anyone. But this structure, God's structure, is designed to assist the effectiveness of all, to assist the interest of all, and to assemble the whole of the body to resist and overthrow the enemy. You know, if we get this and we come into this, it's, there's unity and submission. We get this together, we overthrow the enemy. That's the purpose. The Bible is very clear that there is a God-ordained order for every facet of our lives. As Christians, we have to be careful to not allow our freedom in Christ to become an exercise to just do what we want, just as we see as best. You know, that's the way I used to think. I just thought, well, that's not fair. So I'll just this. Mm -mm. That's not how God ordains it. Some things aren't fair, but God wants you to bring it to him and let him take care of it. He's got a way of doing it, but when you take it in your own hands... You know, anybody worked for an unfair person? (laughs) Anybody worked for somebody that doesn't do it God's way and treats you like a DOG? Yeah. And you know, shouldn't, but tell you what, if you'll just stay in God's way of doing things, God will take care of that. I've seen it many times. God has an ordained order for our lives. And although we don't lose our salvation if we refuse to submit to his order and to him and and offer our lives a submitted life to him. We don't lose our salvation if we don't do that. But that refusal 
shrinks our souls, so to speak. It shrinks who God wants us to be. His example calls us to discover the power and release the growth that will only happen in and through us if we properly learn the spirit of submission. Unsubmission of heart is unlike Jesus. He was submitted. I want to read uh, Philippians chapter 2. I read a little bit of it a while ago. Again, of Jesus' life. You just think, well, he was God. Yes. But he lived a submitted life to the Father. He came as a man in humanity to the earth. He was God and man, but he stripped himself. He laid that down to walk submitted to the Father because he's walking as an example to us. So Philippians chapter 2, verses 5 through 11, it says, And consider the example that Jesus the Anointed One has set before us. Let his mindset become your motivation. Verse 6, Philippians 2, it said, He existed in the form of God. But when he came to earth, he gave no thought to seizing equality with God as his supreme prize. Instead, he emptied himself of his outward glory by reducing himself to the form of a lowly servant. He did that voluntarily. He became human. He humbled himself and he became vulnerable, choosing to be revealed as a man and was obedient. He was a perfect example, even in his death, a criminal's death by crucifixion. Because of that obedience, God exalted him and multiplied his greatness. He has now been given the greatness of all names. He's been given the authority of the name. The authority of the name of Jesus causes every knee to bow in reverence. Everything and everyone will one day submit to this name, in the heavenly realm, in the earthly realm, and in the demonic realm. Every knee is going to bow to that name, and every tongue is going to proclaim in every language, "Jesus Christ is Lord Yahweh," bringing glory and honor to God His Father. But you know how that came, and how, it's through His submission and willingness. His example calls us to discover that power, to walk in that submission that he walked in, to learn that way of life. The path down, which is submitting, is the way up, receiving authority. All authority in the spiritual realm is only to be exercised in the spirit and with the attitude of a servant. When you have authority, you exercise it with the attitude of a servant. You don't lord it over people. Jesus didn't do that. Let's look at Matthew chapter 20, verses 25 through 28. This is where uh, James and John's mother had come to Jesus. Uh, wanting them to be able to sit, you know, by him on the throne, you know, his right hand and his left, and, uh, you know, that they, they're going to rule with him and sit on the right hand. He's, you know, he's uh, talking to her, you know, talked to her. And then the others heard what she had said, and we'll take it up in 25. It says, you know, the other disciples then began to get jealous against the brothers. You know, they began to talk and compare and 
begin to grasp for a place. And Jesus told them in verse 25 of Matthew 20, he said, Jesus, knowing their thoughts, called them to the side and said. So they were talking among themselves. The mother had asked Jesus this. Then the disciples began to talk about it with jealousy. And Jesus, is knowing their thoughts, calls them to the side and said, Kings and those with great authority in this world rule oppressively over their subjects like tyrants. But this is not your calling. You will lead by a completely different model. The greatest one among you will live as the one who is called to serve others because the greatest honor and authority is reserved for the one with the heart of a servant. For the, son of, for the Son of Man did not come expecting to be served by everyone, but to serve everyone and to give his life in exchange for the salvation of many. So that's our life. That's his life. And God gives us authority, but we have to be people under submission first before we walk in authority. People try to grasp for authority, but we have to have that servant's heart and learn to yield to submission to him. And you know what? When it's right, then he'll place us in those places. Submission to God's arrangement and order is not designed to rank people above others, but rather to serve the interest of all so the whole army comes to victory it's a team thing it's a unity thing but God has an order and if you're grasping for somebody else's place or you're trying to stand in the authority of somebody else's place it's not going to work it's not going to it's not going to go that way we've got to do it God's way and in God's authority the submitted disciple learns there's a tactical advantage there's a mutual protection that takes place through committed involvement with the church family through submitted service as a member of the body, and through acceptance of a personal accountability to others in Christ. You always hear people say, don't be a lone ranger. That's why God tells us to be in a body, not just to come and go. Be involved. And I don't mean necessarily mean take a job. Get to know people. Build friendships in the body of Christ. Build relationships. You know, go to Bible studies, go to discipleship class, you know, and it's not we say come to, it's not for us. It's for you and all of us, not in a self-serving way, but in a way that will help you. And when you're apart, you don't say that's y'all's church, you say that's our church. And we take, we care, we care we all care the same about it and the welfare of what God wants to do in this house. You know, this isn't our church. It's not me and Alice's church. It's not the elder's church. Not the de- it's, it's God's church. We didn't do this. He's doing it. But we've got to get in line with what he's doing and be in line with that. In this church, in our personal lives, where we work, Again, there, when, when we submit and get in God's order, there is a protection that comes over us. And you may think, well, look what they're doing. I'm telling you, God's watching out for you. If you try to take it in your own hands, you know how the Bible says, don't return evil for evil. See, the minute you take that, you're taking yourself out from under God's ability to protect you because you've just opened the door to the enemy by saying, well, I don't care. I'm going to do this anyway. They deserve this. Mm-mm. You're placing yourself right out there. God still loves you. He's got protection for you. But you've got to come back under his covering 
in his way of doing instead of trying to take it. But being in a church, when you hear truth of what the word, I'm, I'm speaking truth to you from the word tonight. I remember when I first, that book, it was a pastor that gave it to me, a pastor friend. They had had problems in their church similar to ours. And, and he gave it to us to read. And it helped me to see God's way of doing whether you know, just to be patient, let me say, to learn to be patient in it and let God work that out. And don't take it into your hands. And it, it was a blessing to me, and it's a place of protection. God's order, when we get in his order, everybody wins. Everybody. It's not a matter of saying who's on top or who's the boss. You know, <laughs> anyway, a lot of times God puts leaders out there and makes people bosses and puts people on top who don't really want that. But they'll step into it because it's what God wants. It's a matter of saying, Lord, teach me my place. Instead of saying, well, I want that. Well, they're that. Lord, teach me my place and help me to know my place. I humbly yield to learning and to growing. That's the attitude. That's the attitude we need to have before God. Whether it's in your workplace, in your home, in the church, every facet of life. It's a servant's attitude. Who are we serving? We're serving him. We're doing it unto him. Society interprets submission to mean either subjugation or domination, but it doesn't mean that at all. That's the world's idea. Subjugation and domination are what happens. When one person or kingdom rules over another, or one party is intimidated or plundered or mastered and then broken. But submission has nothing to do with that. That's not submission because there really is no such thing as forced submission. True submission can never be forced because submission is first and foremost an inner attitude. It's a heart issue. You know, what does the Bible tell us to pray for those who use us? I mean... All the things we read, don't return evil for evil. Pray for those who despitefully use you. I mean, you just go throughout the whole word, and he tells us his way. I mean, do you think Jesus had an opportunity or two to want to just knock the fire out of somebody? I mean, just think about it. I mean, do you think, like, all of what he had come to do and the way they're treating him and what they're doing, every time I get into a tad or a bit or a lot of self-pity or, you know, He just brings me back to his life, not in a critical way, not in a condemning way, but just remember, Kim, this is the way of life. This is the way. I'm just telling you. It can never be required. Submission is not required. It can only be volunteered, given as a willing gift to God first and then to others. Only we can choose whether or not we will submit. Only we can choose. Under Christ, we must learn the spirit of submission as it relates to others. Others we serve with. Others we serve under. And others we don't want to serve at all. We have to learn that life of submission. Willingness, humility, and servanthood must be kept in view in our lives as Christians, as disciples. I may say I will submit... But if my heart rebels, if my heart has resentment or resistance on the inside or bitterness, then I'm not accepting or participating in the spirit of submission. Don't kid yourself. 
you think, well, I'm submitting. If you've got that junk going on in your heart, you're not. You may be outwardly, but where does God look? On the heart. He looks on the heart. And I will say that to say, oh, she's so hard on us tonight. As Alan says, I'm trying to help you. I'm trying to help me. Because I don't do it perfect either, but I know the right way. And I know what the way of health and healing and wholeness and joy and peace. When you got it all in your hands like this and you're trying to duke it out, there's no joy and peace in that. But when you're just letting him fight my battles, (laughs) then it's going to be fought and it's going to be fought in the right way. And you know everybody will win. Everybody will win. Okay, I'm almost done. Not only will I fail to garner the power that God intends me if we hold bitterness and resentment and we have that in our heart and we just acting like we're submitting but we're just not really we will fail to garner the power that God intends us to know through becoming a submitted person and we'll miss the blessings that await a submitted disciple there are blessings in submission there are blessings in doing it God's way remember God said seek first the kingdom and uh, all these things will be added unto you and Amplified says seek first God's way of doing and being and then the things you just, they're going to be added to you. But you've got to seek his way first. True submission is more than learning the principle of submission in the text of scripture. But it is learned in passing the test of life. Y'all know there's tests in life? <laughs> we learn through those tests. And that we can read about submission here, but it's applied and learned when the rubber meets the road. You can read about not returning evil for evil, uh, but when someone has been evil to you, that's when the submission to what God's word says and to him, that's when you learn that test. And that's when you, and they do come more than once. Don't you wish it was just like English one and you never had to take it again, but we take it over and over and over because it's a new person. It's a new way. It's a new thing. It's a new situation. And there's not one of us that don't go through it. It's just life because we live in a fallen world. It's not like that in heaven. Hallelujah. How we choose to submit in the most basic situations of our lives is the real evidence of the degree to which we have become submitted. Our Savior was the model of the submitted life, and yet he functioned with the most dynamic authority and dominion than anyone in all of the history. He functioned in both submission and authority, and God wants us to as well. Let's look at his life. He stooped to a manger on earth, though rightfully the king of the universe. He was baptized to serve the Father's purpose, though onlookers probably thought It was an act of repentance. He accepted rejection without retaliating in any way. He willingly accepted the slapping of his face and the spitting on it without doing anything back. He prayed, Father, not my will, but yours be done. And as he hung on the cross, he said, Father, forgive them. They don't understand. Jesus submitted to people in darkness tirelessly giving himself to help them come to understanding. And when his disciples said, let's call down fire from heaven on those who wouldn't let you come into town, Jesus in effect said, nope, 
That's not your style. You don't know what spirit you're of. He taught that the spirit of his kingdom is not to exercise power to prove you are superior or right. Rather, we are called to learn the spirit of submission, to let a grander power of his glory manifest through us, the power of love, which, given time, will beget trust and responsiveness in our lives. There's so much to be gained through a disciple's learning the biblical spirit and practical pathway of submission. So much. The world would say, no, you lose. No, you gain. Before Jesus became the great shepherd, he submitted to being the Lamb of God. Our path to all that God has for us is a pathway of submission before the Father, allowing him to show us his way of doing and being. He's called us to live a life of submission. Jesus is our example, and it's our part to choose his way. So, Father, we thank you tonight. Father, we choose your way. We are reminded of your life and the way that you lived it on this earth as an example for us. And it was by walking in a precious walk with the Father, going and taking it all to the Father, and walking in the power of the Holy Spirit and leaning on Him. And Father, you've given us the same. The relationship with the Father through your blood and the power of the Holy Spirit. Father, we just thank you. We receive afresh. We agree afresh. We choose to walk afresh in the servant life of a submitted disciple. Father, forgive us for times when we haven't. And maybe some, we might even have some stinky little thinking and attitudes in our hearts even right now. But Father, we yield those to you because your way is the highway. Your way is the way that leads to life and to joy and to peace. And so, Father, we yield every hurting thing in us. And we say, Lord, we give it to you. Work it out. And help us to be what you want us to be. Father, I love that scripture. You say you make us what we ought to be. Father, make us what we ought to be as we yield to you. We willingly lay our lives down before you. We say not our will, but your will be done in our lives. And Father, we, we offer you ourselves. We offer you our lives in submission to you. And we thank you, Lord. We thank you for your ways. They are so beautiful. Even when the rubber is meeting the road, it's hard. But it's a way of life and truth that brings freedom not only to us but to others. And it glorifies you. And that's what we want more than anything. And it causes everybody to win. We love you, Father. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. If you need prayer, I'll pray for you tonight. Remember, Brother Scott's coming on Sunday.